Today's read from the Browder File, Volume 2, Survival Strategies for Africans in America, 13 Steps to Freedom, by Anthony T. Browder. The earth is inhabited by billions of humans who are subjected to the same forces of gravity, time, and space, whose lives are affected by the elements of earth, wind, air, and fire. How they perceive these elements and forces is often determined by their geographic location and their cultural orientation. A person living in a desert will relate to the sun and water much differently from someone living on a tropical island. To this end, the forces and elements of nature, even the plants and animals in the environment, have a profound effect on people's lives and help shape their perceptions of reality. Thousands of years ago, groups of people lived in relative isolation from other groups. They may have lived at opposite ends of the same country, continent, or planet. The conditions and experiences in their immediate surroundings help to shape their relationships with each other, their understanding of nature and God, and their relationships with strangers. How the members of a group saw themselves was a legitimate expression of their reality. As human beings traveled and interacted with other groups, allegiances were formed among those with similar perceptions, and conflicts arose among those who did not see things eye to eye. In many instances, the losers in any conflict were forced to adapt to the thoughts, behavior, and perceptions of those who conquered them. This did not mean that the perceptions and values of the conquerors were correct. They just possessed the means to impose their values and perceptions on those whom they defeated. The views and perceptions currently held by millions worldwide were forged in conflicts and circumstances which occurred hundreds if not thousands of years ago. The conflicts between Christians and Muslims and Muslims and Jews, for example, were initiated many generations ago and will continue to affect generations that are yet to be born. Each group has a position which they believe to be correct and are willing to defend that belief to their death. People have been conditioned to believe in religious causes that they passionately embrace above anything else. This is especially true of African Americans. While religion and spirituality are important issues in the lives of all people, African Americans must become equally impassioned when it comes to rediscovering and retaining their own cultural worldview. Such a perspective would allow them to see the world through African eyes and enable them to appreciate that viewpoint. Such a perspective is necessary if Africans are to ever free themselves of the psychological bondage imposed on them by their enslavers generations ago.
empower your mind. See the world through African eyes. As a student in elementary school, I was particularly fond of reading Greek and Roman mythology, especially the fables of Aesop. These stories gave me a greater appreciation of ancient civilizations and helped me understand the extent to which the modern world was indebted to those who studied the mysteries of the universe, life, philosophy, the arts and sciences thousands of years in the past. As I grew older, I began to see my childhood heroes through different eyes. I was in high school and I discovered that Aesop was of African descent and that his name was derived from the Greek word Ethiop, which meant burnt face, and referred to the blackness of his skin. I also learned that the Greek historian Herodotus stated that the parents of Hercules were Egyptian. I was dumbfounded when I read that Europa, the princess for whom Europe was named, was of African ancestry. After I completed my college studies, I began to discover that the ancient Egyptians were really black, and that many scholars willingly falsified this reality and portrayed the vast majority of them as white. My first trip to Egypt confirmed the historical falsification. After having traveled to Egypt over a dozen times, I am now convinced that the ancient Egyptians or Comitians had a profound impact on the ancient civilizations of Greece and Rome. I have come full circle and my eyes are open wide enough now to see the African essence embedded in the accomplishments falsely attributed to Europeans. Thus, my view of the world and the people in it is now evaluated from a perspective that is much more holistic and culturally centered as the following example illustrates. There is a very famous statue that was built in the Nile Valley thousands of years ago. It has the head of a man and the body of a reclining lion. Even though this statue was built in Africa by Africans, we have been conditioned to refer to it by its Greek name, the Sphinx. It is important to realize that the word Sphinx is not the name given this sculpture by its original sculptor. It is a name given it by strangers thousands of years after its construction. The word Sphinx does not reflect the symbolic essence of the statue or the nature of the people who created it. Webster defines Sphinx as a word of Greek origin which literally means the strangler. This definition is derived from the story of Oedipus Rex which was written by the Greek playwright Sophocles around 430 BCE. In this story, the Sphinx is portrayed as a monster with the head and breasts of a woman, wings of an eagle, and body of a lion. She was perched on a rock near the city of Thebes in Greece and posed a grave threat to its citizens. This Sphinx 
posed a riddle to every person who passed her while traveling to or from Thebes, and she strangled anyone who gave her an incorrect response. It was for this reason the Greeks referred to the Sphinx as the Strangler. The Sphinx is also regarded as an enigmatic character, often used in the initiation rites of numerous organizations and secret societies. The question posed by the Sphinx is now regarded as the famous Riddle of the Sphinx. In this context, this term is used to describe anyone who possesses a deep or mysterious character, a keeper of secrets. The riddle of the Sphinx has been expressed in many different ways over the centuries, but the essence of the riddle remains the same. In one version, the Sphinx asks, what has one voice and walks on four legs in the morning, two legs in the afternoon, three legs in the evening, and the more legs it walks on, the weaker it becomes. To those with knowledge, this riddle was a test of their higher order thinking ability. It was not meant to be taken literally. Those questioned had to infer the hidden meaning of the riddle and evaluate it based upon their own personal experiences. If they answered correctly, their life was spared, for they possessed the ability to use their higher mind. Those who failed this test were deemed unworthy of life and were strangled. The story of Oedipus Rex, King Oedipus, is regarded as the definitive Greek tragedy and was performed in Athens around 430 BCE. In the story, Oedipus was the only person who correctly answered the riddle of the Sphinx. His response was based on his evaluation of the riddle from his own personal viewpoint. This perspective allowed him to give the only reasonable answer, which was man, because man in the morning of his life walks on four legs as an infant when he crawls on the ground. In the afternoon of his life, as an adult, he stands erect on two legs, and in the evening of his life, as an elder, he walks with a cane or three legs. After having been given the correct answer to this riddle, the Sphinx committed suicide by jumping off the cliff, and Oedipus continued his journey to Thebes. Upon his arrival in the city, Oedipus was heralded as a hero for having vanquished the beast which terrorized the Theban countryside. Oedipus was proclaimed king of Thebes and allowed to marry Jocasta, widow of the former King Laius, who mysteriously disappeared during a long journey. King Oedipus and Queen Jocasta produced four children and lived a happy life until a plague devastated Thebes. Oedipus soon learned that he was the source of the city's misery and that he had fulfilled the destiny which was prophesied at his birth. For the man that Oedipus had confronted and killed prior to his arrival in Thebes was King Laius, the father who had abandoned him at birth. This revelation also meant that Jocasta was both Oedipus's wife and mother, and his children were also his siblings. 
Jocasta was unable to live with these events and hanged herself. Oedipus was so overcome with grief that he blinded himself because he no longer wished to see the world that reminded him of his crimes. This myth is the quintessential story of a dysfunctional family and was the source of the Oedipus complex theory introduced by the Austrian physician Sigmund Freud in the late 1800s. Freud believed that children possessed an unconscious desire for the exclusive love of the parent of the opposite sex and wished for the death of the parent of the same sex. In later years, researchers used the term electrocomplex to describe this complex in girls. Electra was a woman in Greek mythology who plotted the murder of her mother. Thus, an evaluative analysis of the Sphinx Oedipus and Freud reveals a historical pattern of distorted family values, murder, and incest. The Greek legacy that Europeans have inherited has been used to describe mental imbalance within the minds of their children and adults. Freud was a remarkable thinker whose perception of society was shaped by his cultural world view. Freud psychoanalyzed Europeans and developed his theories based upon their unconscious feelings that affected their everyday behavior. Many anthropologists have declared that this concept does not exist in non-Western societies and is symbolic of European cultural thought and behavior. Considering their cultural inclinations, as crazy as it now seems, it was natural for the Greeks to portray the Sphinx as a woman because they believed that females were inferior to males and were inherently evil. The Greeks were also the first civilization, quote-unquote, to legitimize the concept of homosexuality and propagate the belief that the greatest love a man could ever experience was the love of another male. They believed that women were a necessary evil because only they were capable of bringing other males into the world. It goes without saying that these beliefs are not only anti-female, but they also contradict one of the basic tenets of nature, the balance and harmonious relationship of masculine and feminine energy. In Africa, we will find the archetype for the Greek Sphinx. We will also discover that it represented an entirely different cultural orientation. One of the African names for this statue was Her M. Aket. It means Heru on the horizon. This statue has the head of Heru, the son of Asar, the resurrected god of ancient Kemet, and the body of a reclining lion. Her M. Aket is located on a plateau at Giza, a city outside of Cairo, Egypt. Giza was referred to as the Aket, the place where the sun rises and sets. There are some scholars who contend that this statue is over 10,000 years old. 
but all agree that its meaning is profoundly symbolic. The mind of man is symbolized by the head of Heru, and the lion's body represents the animal nature that rules the body of man. The combination of these two elements symbolizes the process by which every mind can conquer its lower bestial nature if it first cultivates the divine intelligence that exists within the mind. This divine spirit is manifested through Heru, who was the son of the world's earliest resurrected god, Asar. The life of Heru then becomes the prototype by which every person is capable of achieving satisfaction on earth, the physical plane of existence. According to the ancient myth, which originated in Africa over 6,000 years ago, Asar was the benevolent king of ancient Kemet, who was murdered by this brother Set. Aset, the virgin wife of Asar, mourned the loss of her husband and buried his remains because of her undying devotion the spirit of Asar visited his wife and impregnated her. Nine months later, Aset gave birth to a son named Heru, whose coming was announced by a magnificent star shining in the east, and he received gifts from three foreign kings. Aset protected her son from the army of the king who sought to destroy him. She prepared Heru to fulfill his destiny and reclaim the throne of his father. As an adult, Heru waged a victorious struggle against Set, who symbolized the forces of evil. After Set was brought to justice, Asar was resurrected from the grave and ruled over the souls of the dead on the Day of Judgment. Asar was later referred to as the Lord of Judgment and Resurrection, and Heru was acknowledged as the legitimate ruler of Kemet and called Lord of the Earth. Aset was regarded as the national symbol of divine motherhood and established the precedent for the matrilineal determination of kingship. In an African cultural setting, Er M. Aket was a model for African family values. It provided a setting which promoted the ideal of goodness overcoming the forces of evil. The Sphinx, on the other hand, tells the story of Oedipus and a dysfunctional European family. Theirs is a story of incest, murder, and suicide. This one comparison teaches us the importance of evaluating all information from a cultural perspective in order to determine what is truly meaningful in our lives. In order to develop a greater appreciation of our ancient African civilization and its seldom discussed impact on ancient and contemporary civilization, Read chapters 3 and 4 of Tony Browder's publication, Nile Valley Contributions to Civilization, and answer the following questions. 1. Explain the historical, 
cultural and philosophical differences between Her M. Aket, the Sphinx, and Adu Hall. Adu Hall is spelled A D U dash H O L. Question number two. Consider the similarities between the stories of Aset and Heru, 4000 BCE, and that of Mary and Jesus, 0 ACE. How do you account for their similarities and differences? And question number three. Consider the origins of the modern alphabet and the fact that the letter J wasn't added until about 1600 ACE. What are the implications concerning the accurate pronunciation of words and names that now begin with J if the references to them date back to prior to 1600 ACE? And the references and suggested readings are from author Naeem Akbar, title Light from Ancient Africa, Tallahassee, Florida, Mind Productions and Associates, 1994, author Molefi Asante, Asante, and Abu Abari, EDS, title African Intellectual Heritage, A Book of Sources, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Temple University Press, 1996, author Anthony T. Browder, title Exploding the Myths, Volume 1, Nile Valley Contributions to Civilization, Washington, D.C., The Institute of Karmic Guidance, 1992. Author Jacob H. Carruthers, title Meru Nature, Divine Speech, A Historiographical Reflection of African Deep Thought from the Time of the Pharaohs to the Present, Lawrenceville, New Jersey, Red Sea Press, 1995. Author Sheikh Anta Title: Civilization or Barbarism, an Authentic Anthropology, Brooklyn, New York, Lawrence Hill Books, 1991, and author Asa G. Hilliard III. Title: The Maroon Within Us, Selected Essays on African American Community Socialization, Baltimore, Maryland, Black Classic Press, 1995.